All right, church. So as you are all making your way back to your seats, I'm going to ask for all of the kids that are with us here this morning, if all of the kids can please come to the front, join me here in the front row. And church, if you can, please put your hands together and give a very warm welcome to Pastor Pepe as he comes to share with our children this morning. Hi kids, good morning. Good morning everyone. A big hug for all of you family. Uh, today I want, uh, I would like to tell you about a man who had uh, a lot of money. You know this, right? I want to tell you again. This man had a very nice and large house in Reno. He has a lot of money, a lot of money. At once, he he I need my two hands. Okay. 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 He has a lot of money, and he wants to enjoy his money. And he said, I have to buy a yacht, a boat, to go to Lake Tahoe and enjoy the lake. So he, he, buy, he buy a boat. <laughs> he buy a boat, right? So anyways, he has a lot of money. And he said, well, I have my boat, but I need a house close to the lake. I can't buy a house because I have a lot of money. Okay. And he bought a house close to the lake. <laughs> so he has a lot of money. He has a horizontal vision. I need this. I can buy, I see this, I can buy horizontal vision, right? And he said, I can buy a plane because I have money. Okay, let's buy a plane. He has a plane. <laughs> he has a plane. His vision is focused horizontally. At once, the, he was flying, uh, flying around the world, and once he has an accident, and the plane crash. The plane crash. Pain was broken. <clears throat> he lost his life. He lost everything. Because his life is only in horizontal vision. We have to change our vision. We have to, to do a vertical vision. Okay? We have to see the vertical vision. Okay, we have uh, we have eternal treasures waiting for us in the heaven, right? Okay, thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Pepe. So Pastor first shared that story with us um, at the Home Away From Home retreat. And uh, I just thought it was such an amazing story and uh, really enjoyed that. So thank you for sharing with our kids this morning. All right, church, just a couple of quick reminders here. So for any of our teens that are here or any of our teens that are listening in, 
Just a reminder that we will be having youth group this week. So we encourage you to come out Thursday night at 6.30 as we start off in a time of prayer and then dive into the word. We will be having a baby shower for Lisa Franco, and that's going to be at 6 p.m. on August the 21st. And that is going to be at Jane Morrill's house. Uh, so we ask that you guys save the date for that. And we will have more information as it becomes available in the coming weeks. Guys, we are still selling the caramel chocolate chip Girl Scout cookies out at our cafe. $5 for an entire box, church. So that's 12 packages of these delicious Girl Scout cookies for only $5. And please keep in mind that any of these cases of cookies that you purchase, all of the proceeds are going to be going to our Home Kids Camp Fund. Speaking of camp, kids, who's excited for Kids Camp? Can you guys believe camp is happening next week? So you guys are going to be leaving next Monday, that's July 19th, through Thursday, July 22nd. And parents, we will be having a short meeting after second service next week. That is going to be taking place right here in the sanctuary. So kids and parents, please make sure that you are here for that. All right. And then, church, we have a, uh, a couple of needs, um, prayer requests. So first off, this morning, how many of you guys know little Carlos, pastor's son? If we can lift him up in prayer, he is delivering his first sermon this morning at Elevate. So that's going to be happening at 11 o'clock. We also want to pray for travel mercies for Pastor uh, Majesta and all of our teens and youth that are at Elevate. And again, church, obviously, we want to keep uh, not only our leadership team here at Home Church in prayer, but we also want to lift Pastor Carlos up in prayer. Uh, this is a, a very, very busy time of the year for him, so we just want to pray that God is protecting him and that God gives him strength as we are moving into uh, so many fun activities here this summer. Amen. Church, as we prepare to go into our time of giving and worship. Proverbs 3.9 says, to honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops. Bow your heads with me as we pray this morning. Heavenly Father, this is not our wealth, God, but yours. Our money, our possessions, everything that we have, God, it belongs to you. Lord, we are called to be good servants of your money, managers of your money, God. Father, we know that you love a cheerful giver because this act, it displays the grace of your son, God. And I pray that our church this morning is a church full of cheerful givers, God, and you bless this money that we receive today, God. Use us, use our tithes, God. God, we pray to spread your grace and your love to others throughout our church, throughout our community, wherever it is needed, God. And Lord, as we enter into this time of worship, I just pray for Pastor Ted and for our worship team, God. Lord, we ask that you make your presence known to us here today, Lord. Stir us, God. Move in us, prepare us to hear your word this morning, God. I pray a blessing over Pastor Josh as he comes to share your message with us this morning, God. Father, I pray that this message touch somebody, even if it's just one soul, God. Lord, I pray that it changes a life. I pray that it saves a soul, God. God, I pray that you anoint Pastor Josh's words, speak through him, use him as a vessel. And let us leave change today, ready to spread your word throughout our city and our community, God. 
Lord, I want to pray a special blessing over little Carlos this morning, God. What an amazing young man this is that we have been blessed with at our church, God. Lord, as he prepares to deliver your message and share his first sermon and elevate God, Lord, I pray that you have your hand upon him. I just pray for a sense of peace and calmness over him. And God, use, use Carlos, use little and speak through him to the youth that are attending this Elevate conference. And God, as our youth prepare to come back tomorrow, God, we just want to pray for travel mercies, God. Lord, we pray for Pastor Carlos and Majesta. God, first and foremost, we praise you and we thank you for the leaders that they are, Lord, for stepping up and going with our youth and pouring into them during this time at Elevate, God. Lord, I pray you have your hand upon their van as they are traveling home, God. I pray a hedge of protection around them for safe travel mercies. God, I just pray that the remainder of the time that they have together, God, I pray that you bless this time, that it continue to be a time of laughter and love and just getting to know you and getting to know each other more, God. And lastly, God, I want to lift our church leadership up to you, God. I want to lift our pastor up to you this morning, God. What a blessing Pastor Carlos, Ricky, and the children have been to this church, God. Lord, we thank you for their exampleship, for their leadership, God. The way that they love this church congregation, the way that they pray for us, love on us, lead us, God. Lord, we have many events coming up here, God. And I just pray that your presence be felt throughout all of them. God, I pray for pastor. I pray that you give him strength through all of this as he pours out into so many other people, God. And most importantly, Lord, I pray for rest for pastor. I pray that at the end of the day, he is uh, able to get a very restful and peaceful night of sleep, that he is able just to re uh, re-energize and rejuvenate and wake up ready to do your will again the next morning, God. Lord, our church praises you. We thank you for everything that you are doing here at Home Church, for the ways that you are moving through this church, God, ways that we could have never imagined. Lord, we thank you, we praise you, and we pray all of these things in your mighty name. Amen. Good morning. Since the pastor's away, just stuck with me. I'd like for you to stand and join with me as we sing, There's Power in the Blood.
says we're a holiness church. Let's sing our holiness song, Holiness Unto the Lord. and I'm having some difficulty up here. Okay, ready? Here we go.
in Glendale Church of the Nazarene. The group up here is going to sing it the first time, for the first time. And then I want you to join us for the second time, okay? As we sing, for God so loved the world. Let's go to prayer. Father, we thank you for another day. We come today to give you all the praise and the honor that's due your name. We come today to praise you because you're the God of grace. And we all thank you for your grace. Grace that forgives us. Grace that sustains us. The reason we're able to get out of bed and gather here together today is because of your grace. You're so worthy of all our praise. May we be a people here who always remembers to thank you and praise you. We come today to draw near to you. And we know that when we draw near to you, you'll draw near to us. Lord, help us to focus on you this morning. Help us to be awake and listening for your voice. And we pray that you're with Pastor Carlos and little Carlos and all those who are away from home today. Bless their time together. Thank you for this church family, a, a church family who comes to the feet of the Savior, a church family who believes in prayer and believes that you're, you are able you're a God that is able to do more than we can ask or even imagine. You are doing for us, even, even today, more than we can imagine. We serve a great Savior. We serve a risen, living Savior. And his name is Jesus Christ. And we know that as we gather together in your name, you are here in our midst. We know by faith Jesus is here in our midst and he senses hearts that are heavy. He sees lives that are broken and he touches with his love. Help us to look to you and uh, to be honest and, and say, Lord, we need you. Do in me what you need to do and I'll trust you. Just meet with us this morning and, and bless our time and use the message to work in our lives. We ask these things in the mighty, precious name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Good morning. Aren't you glad to be here? If you're glad to be here, let me hear you say, This must be the place. This must be the place. 
I'm glad to be here and I appreciate the opportunity to bring the message this morning. Um, in August of uh, 1997, it was uh, Friday night, right about midnight, at Diamond Arrow Family Camp in Nevada City. Just outside the cafeteria, I made the decision to follow Jesus and I asked God to forgive me of my sins. He forgave me and uh, he made me a new man. And a little while after becoming born again, I began to grow in my relationship and, and I put my whole self on the altar and became sanctified, set apart for God's will in my life. And I remember thinking, man, God loves me so much and it's awesome. Why didn't I do this a long time ago? You with me? But I also started to feel some regret. And I kept thinking about all the bad things I had done and all the hurt that I had caused and, and uh, all the time that I had wasted uh, trying to do things my way and how God probably couldn't use me now. But through godly people who were patient with me and uh, through scripture, God showed me that he can use anybody he wants to. And uh, he can heal our past and somehow even use our past for his glory. Amen. So what I want to share with you today is uh, a message that I heard. And uh, I hope it speaks to you as much as it spoke to me. Let's go ahead and uh, grab our Bibles and let's turn to the first book of the New Testament, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. And we'll begin reading in verse 1. You know those sections in the Bible where it says something like, uh, so-and-so begat so-and-so, and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and so-and-so, and so-and-so? Have you ever read those sections? <laughs> you ever read them on purpose? <laughs> well, it's not really a section that people will go, now this is exciting. <laughs> I think most people are like, why is this stuff even in here, right? Well, <clears throat> our passage uh, that we're in today, not only does it show that our faith relies on actual history, but there's some valuable lessons in this genealogy of Jesus. Uh, he wants us to understand that his uh, family includes everyone who trusts in him, regardless of their background. Let's look at our passage. Are you ready? Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. This is a genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. And Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Okay. What kind of people did God underline in his uh, honored list of the bloodline of the Messiah? It's interesting that until Mary is mentioned in verse 16, there's only four women listed. I want us to examine a little closer those women, because actually all four of those women brought some baggage to this line. They were found unfit and stricken from the list of proper folks. In verse 3, we find that it mentions someone named Tamar. Jacob was the father of 12 sons of 12 tribes. Judah was one of them. Judah married off his son, heir to this woman, Tamar. Before they could have a child, heir died, leaving Tamar a widow 
And in that time and place, it was considered a disgrace to not have children. And so the custom was that the next son of Judah would marry that widow. And the first child born would carry on the name. So Judah married off his second son to Tamar. But then he also dies. As you would expect, uh, Judah was getting really upset. and He's starting to think that Tamar, she must be cursed or something. But it's Judah's responsibility. So he promises his third son to Tamar. He tells her, when he's old enough, I'll give him to you to be your husband. But later on, he changes his mind. I would imagine he was probably afraid for his son, right? Well, Tamar decides she's going to take things into her own hands. Remember, it was considered a disgrace to not have sons of her own. In Genesis 38, Tamar was told in verse 13, Look, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to share his sheep. So she took off her widow's garment, covered herself with a veil, and wrapped herself, and sat in an open place which was on the way to Timnah. For she saw that Shelah, which was Judah's third son, she saw that Shelah was grown And she was not given to him as a wife. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a harlot. He thought she was a prostitute. And in the course of things, they hooked up. He had a scandalous, forbidden relationship with her, not knowing that she was actually his daughter-in-law. And she became pregnant and had twins. They're listed here in this royal genealogy of Jesus Christ. Perez and Zerah, sons of Tamar. I mean, like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. Right? Like some kind of bad soap opera or something. So here's Tamar, guilty of incest. Yet she's listed here in the most honored list in the Bible. I believe God wants us to understand that it's not what you've done in your past, but it's who you're trusting in and living for now that really matters. Amen? You with me? And then down in verse 5 we find Rahab where, um, you know, have you ever read about Rahab? You can read about her in the book of Joshua, chapters 2 to 6. Rahab became known as Rahab the harlot. In her day, it was uh, the time where Joshua had just led the Jewish people out of the wilderness across the Jordan. And the people are at the edge of the promised land. And they're ready to go in and take possession. But the city that's already there is Jericho. Does that sound familiar? And so they're trying to figure out how to do this. So Joshua sends two spies. And he tells them to find out what the people's uh, weaknesses are. And in the course of that, the two men find themselves, they find themselves at Rahab's brothel. She was running a brothel. Rahab listens to the men's story. And she sides with these spies. She hides them and protects them. And helps them on their way so they won't get caught. And she tells the men, hey, the city leaders are afraid of you guys. But as she sends them off, here's what she says in Joshua chapter 2. Please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family. Because I have shown kindness to you. In other words, I'm taking your side. I want to be on the side of God. You guys, please remember me. And she was spared. But she's always been known as Rahab the harlot. And here she is. Listed in this honored genealogy of the Messiah. That's powerful. But let me tell you, her husband's name was Solomon. Her son's name was Boaz the husband of, of, uh, husband of Ruth. 
Again in verse 5, Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite. She came into the royal line of the Messiah because Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, had gone over to Moab because there was a famine in Bethlehem. So they went to uh, Moab with their two sons to try and make a living. The two sons married Moabite women. One of them was Ruth, a Gentile. She was a Gentile. She wasn't part of the chosen people. And not only was she a Gentile, she was a Moabite. Moabites were descendants of Lot, the nephew of Abraham. Lot had been living up in a cave with his two daughters after fleeing the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And in the course of time, Lot had incest with the two daughters. One of the daughters had a child out of, out of that, and the child's name was Moab. That's where the Moabites came from. And so Ruth is the product of an incestuous family. Okay? Naomi's husband dies. Her two sons die. She ends up destitute, and she hears that the famine in Bethlehem had ended, and she decides to go back there, and Ruth ends up staying loyal to Naomi. Ruth decides to go back with her to the family of God. While going back to Bethlehem, she meets and marries Boaz. Ruth and Boaz had a child named Obed. And Obed had a son named Jesse. And Jesse had a son named David, who later became known as King David. So Ruth is a great-grandmother of King David. And that brings us to verse 6 in this list. She's not even named here. But in verse 6 it says that she was the wife of Uriah. In 2 Samuel 11 we find the story of how King David was walking around on the roof of of his palace one night. And he spots this beautiful woman bathing and he has his servants bring her to his palace. And David ends up having an adulterous affair with Bathsheba who was the wife of Uriah. So Bathsheba was an adulteress. And David had at least four other wives. But listen, God could have arranged to have the royal bloodline of the Messiah come through any one of those four more honorable women. But instead, he had Bathsheba be the mother of Solomon. And it's through that that the honored royal bloodline that led to Jesus came. So what valuable lessons can we learn from all that? Well, first of all, trust in Jesus outweighs a good bloodline. Maybe you think you've got a good bloodline, a good family line. Maybe you think you've got a good reputation going. Well, guess what? It's not going to cut it with God. In Matthew 21, verses 28 to 32, Jesus is in the temple courts teaching, and the chief priests start to question uh, his authority, and he tells a story about a man who had two sons. Jesus says that the man told his first son to uh, go work in the vineyard. And the first son said, nope, not going to do that. But then later he changed his mind. He ended up going to work. Then the man told the other son to go work in the vineyard. And the son said, yes, sir. Get right to it. But never really went to work in the vineyard. Then Jesus asked the question, which of the two did the will of his father? And they said, the first. And Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. What Jesus is saying is that the prostitutes Sinners believed. 
and they're in. The religious ones who had the right bloodline, they didn't believe, and they're on the outs. Trust in Jesus outweighs a good bloodline. Number two, trust in Jesus outweighs tradition. Matthew 23, verses 29 and 30, Jesus says, Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You you build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our forefathers, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding the blood of prophets. They were so busy building monuments and traditions. And Jesus says that doesn't impress God. Those who've entered into a relationship with Jesus move right on ahead of those who rely on tradition. No matter what their traditions may be. Because our hope is not in tradition. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. Amen? The third lesson for us, trust in Jesus outweighs religious busyness. Even if you do all kinds of great things for God. You see, the Christian faith is not so much a religion, it's a relationship with Jesus. He pointed that out in Matthew 7, verses 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And what is the will of God? Trusting in Jesus. And then verse 22, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, Did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons? And perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. You see, it's not what you do religiously that matters. It's trusting Jesus. And then the fourth thing we should learn, trust in Jesus outweighs properness. Some people think that if you just make yourself look proper and give off the right appearance, that's what matters. And some point it may matter, but not so much for your eternal destiny. Jesus said in Matthew 11, 18 and 19, For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Here is a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by their deeds. It's not living respectably that's going to cut it with God. It's a right relationship with Jesus Christ that counts. It's amazing what this genealogy has here, isn't it? I mean, the, the only woman listed, the only women listed seem to come from some serious baggage. Tamar, incest. Rahab, a harlot. Ruth, offspring of incest and a Gentile. Bathsheba, an adulteress. And then in the scriptures in Matthew where Jesus declares that trust in him outweighs a good bloodline. Tradition. Religious busyness. Properness. There's going to be a lot of surprises in heaven, isn't there? Like who's there and who's not there. So I guess the question for us today is what about us? We can't afford to make assumptions on our background, our position, our respectability, our reputation. That's not going to cut it. Jesus Christ is our only hope of heaven. Do you know him? Do you know about him? Or do you truly know him? This passage serves to remind us it's not our past that determines our destiny. Jesus determines our destiny. Amen? And we really shouldn't be looking down on others who might have a not-so-clean past. The Lord didn't and doesn't. Jesus came to seek and to save what was lost. I like the way Psalm 103 says it. He casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. That's a long way, isn't it? 
If you get anything from this today, please get this. Jesus can wipe your past clean. And he can make you brand new. He'll save you and he'll set you apart for his purposes if you just let him. Whatever may be in your background, that's really not the point. Are you trusting Jesus today? We all have a background. We're all in need of a Savior. Let's stand together as we go to God in prayer. Father, you're doing things here. Help us to just trust that you know what you're doing. Not just in this church, but in our lives, in the lives of others in this community, those who are starting to come to church here, and those who haven't yet come in. May your presence always be so strong here. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will nudge nudge all of us in the way we need to go. Remind us that for us to get to heaven, it'll take more than just having a good reputation. Lord, it's so easy for people to think, oh, well, Jesus might have some, he might save some people, but I've just done too many wrongs. I'm too far gone. Lord, if anybody right now listening feels your tug at their heart today and they want to give their life to you or or if they just feel the need to reconnect with you and rededicate their life to you, Lord, help them to talk to you and, and, and to say just a simple prayer. Dear Jesus, you know about my past but I I believe that you can wash it all clean and you can make me new. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I'm asking you to come into my life. Save me. I'm tired of the way I've been living, trying to do things for myself, doing things my own way. Today I ask for you to forgive me. I'm leaving all that behind, and and, and I dedicate my life to you and your will. Father, I praise you for those who prayed such a prayer, because I know that you'll bless it. Father, grant that this church will continue to grow, and as people begin to come here, they'll come to understand that there is room for them in the family of God, if they'll just trust Jesus for their lives. And as they listen to your voice and to what you have for them, that you'll draw them in close to you and they can experience transformation and true love and hope and peace that only you can bring. Father, I love you and I trust you. So it's in Jesus' loving, powerful name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Have a great week.